Hello and welcome to Switch It, where it's New Year, same old ruckus. England are sweating it out in Sri Lanka, preparing to spin the wheel on another subcontinental odyssey, and we're stuck in our rooms ready to pass judgment from afar. What could possibly go wrong? And who would want to be battling the humidity and seeking a cool spot in the shadow of the Dutch fort in Gaul when you can sit snuggled up on the edge of your bed while the dawn chorus tinkles in through the frost-dusted windows? Certainly not George DeBell, ESPN Crick Info's England correspondent, who presumably admires the way in which the English winter isn't afraid to dig in for the long haul and will be hoping for similar stickability from the tourists during the tests. Or have I got that wrong, George? No, beautiful, poetic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just your your admiration for the English winter. Uh, I'm I'm sure is um, basically what you're here to talk about. There's a lot of Dom Sibley in the English winter, isn't isn't there? You, you have to admire its incredible persistence. It goes on much longer than it has any need to, really, and uh, it's not particularly pretty. Fidel, have you ever done an English winter? No, I haven't done a winter in anywhere that's like colder than Auckland. So. I've heard great things, though. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on over here. Uh, we'll it's sort just, you out. Um, yeah, it's just incredible how long it goes on for. Yes, as George has revealed, joining us today is our cliche-destroying, stereotype-busting Sri Lanka correspondent Andrew Fidel Fernando. It's mere coincidence that he's also thrillingly unorthodox, vertically challenged, and the likeliest Crick Info staffer to be late for the team bus. We spoke a couple of weeks ago, Fidel, uh, since when Sri Lanka have returned from a bruising tour in South Africa. Uh, Hopefully you didn't manage to tweak your typing fingers while on duty for that one. No. um, Yeah, I I mean, I almost did because I almost did myself an injury like so many of the the players on that tour. Uh, But, I I mean, it it was such a weird, weird tour because I think Sri Lanka were kind of on top, on top in Centurion, when it all kind of the tour suddenly became clear what was going to happen, uh, because they were actually kind of doing pretty well, and then a whole heap of their players got injured at the same time, and then you knew that they were going to lose two 0 essentially because there's just no way they could they could really compete with South Africa in those conditions. They needed everyone on 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 board, um, but they, I mean, it was kind of unfortunate. Also, you know, you probably have to look at the conditioning a little bit, but then also the problems with conditioning is kind of an, a, a knock-on effect of COVID and lockdowns and isolation and the whole thing. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of like you did feel really sorry for them on that tour. Um, but uh, I think a few of them have recovered now. So hopefully this one, more, more players stay fit. Yes, that's uh, that would be nice. Um, and uh, a Colombo Crimbo, hopefully that was a good one for you. I presume, you know, turkey, roast potatoes, red cabbage, all the trimmings out there. Yeah, uh, I made a duck. So, you know, um, did a whole poison wrap type thing. It was pretty good. Wow. Um, if I do say so myself. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Don't, don't often get to have Christmas in Colombo. So it was nice. George, can you compete with uh, hoisin duck? No. Uh, no. My family are all vegetarian, and um, uh, oh, wow. there's, there's not a lot of point doing anything like that. I actually had a chicken, because uh, I'm not really vegetarian. <laughs> and uh, Well, clearly I'm not, because I ate a chicken. But anyway, no one cares what I had for Christmas lunch. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an insight. I'm now picturing you sort of, you know, going out to forage your own meat. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, while the, while we have the rest shops. of the family enjoy it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You've got Birmingham slightly wrong. I do remember, though, the last time we were in Gaul, I, I don't know if Fidel remembers, I, I stayed in a, in a place that my driver described very accurately as very not good. And it wasn't that close to Gaul. Who's <laughs> where there's this, like, a huge detention camp? Which is presumably where where Debel had uh, had booked his Airbnb. Well, it was terribly cheap, um, and it didn't have hot water, but it did have a lot of hot and cold running scorpions. Uh, <laughs> and it was actually, you know, when you think back to things like that, not being on tour is not all bad. It's been lovely to spend some time at home. It really has. <laughs> You've almost convinced us there. Um, well, there are no scorpions right, in well, Birmingham, as... and we do have shops. I want to make that really clear. <laughs> uh, well, it's been a long time since you know I went outside, let alone went to Birmingham. Um, but I'm glad to hear it. Um, as mentioned, England uh, have been in Sri Lanka now for about 10 days, initially acclimatising only to their hotel rooms during a spell in quarantine, then attempting to get up to speed for the first um, test, their first test since August. Um, George, there was an unwelcome passenger on the charter flight, and it's meant an extended period in isolation for someone who played a key role in England winning their last time around. Yeah, I think Moen's a big loss, actually. Obviously, it was a huge opportunity for him. But at the same time, uh, the balance of the side is so difficult to get right without one of those all-rounders and, and with, with no Stokes and no Moen, I think it leaves him in a really tricky position. I'm sure he would have played in this, this first test um, and I think had he done so, it would have been a really good opportunity to re-establish himself in the side. Uh, who knows what happens now next week. Um, but yeah, uh, look, on, on the bright side, obviously an awful thing uh, to happen. It looks like he's only uh, experienced mild symptoms and it looks like it's been contained. But, you know, I think there were some very nervous days there where they were worried about how much, well, whether it had spread through the squad. And obviously Sri Lankan authorities would have been naturally and reasonably worried about um, the UK's pretty terrible record with COVID spreading. Um but it looks like it's been contained and I actually think they deserve quite a lot of credit, everybody involved. You know, the huge precautions taken by Sri Lanka, absolutely right. And also, presumably, uh, England are uh, respecting all those protocols. So well done to everyone involved, really. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Chris Wokes also spent the um, best part of a week in, in isolation. As he was and and that's relevant contact. because, of course, he's an all-rounder as well. Uh, yep. So it means that you're, re- realistically you're without Wokes, Stokes and Moeen as the all-rounders, and, and, that, and that's a real blow. Yeah, well, we will come on to um, the, the uh, permutations for selection. Um, Fidel, just on, on the uh, Sri Lanka side, the, the medics there are content that the England touring party doesn't represent a biohazard for the rest of the country. No, I think, I mean, uh, if you're in a bubble, you're kind of, the only other people you can infect are in that bubble, presumably, and even then, um, I, I believe, as far as my understanding of the contingencies and the protocols were, they kind of minimized if, you know, they understood that there's a chance that two or three of the players co- possibly could be getting on that flight with uh, carrying the virus. And so the, conti- the, the plan was to get them to Sri Lanka, get them to their hotels in a manner that meant that there would be as minimal spread as possible. And it, only when, you know, everyone tested, you know, um, tested negative on the, on the third day, I believe it was, 
uh, do they all kind of get together and mingle and, and train as they, as they normally would. So I think Moin's case was caught before that. Um, the Sri Lanka also had, you know, for example, Sohal Tanvir and uh, a couple of other or one other player coming to the LPL with uh, COVID symptoms and they kind of isolated them early on. It didn't compromise the rest of the tournament. Uh, so they would have done the same thing here. Um, and I don't think, no, I haven't heard anything, any kind of serious worries from, from the Sri Lanka side. Good. Well, it's nice to be to be dealing with a country that knows what it's doing with uh, with the coronavirus. Oh, that said, it, it, the ECB did pull off uh, uh, miracles during the summer, of course. Um, so, George, England selection, no Moeen Ali. Um, we are expecting a, a debut for Dan Lawrence uh, in the middle order, the, the Essex batsman. Um, he has got some impressive write-ups uh, ahead of... Um, well, I mean, going back to the summer, he was in England's kind of uh, bubble then. Um, and pr- since since scoring 100 as a 17-year-old in the Championship, people have been talking about this as, as a possibility. Is this a good time for him to, to come in, do you think? I think it's as good as any. I, I mean, Test cricket's really hard. I think he's got a few things which are good. I, I think he's going to come in in a, a number five. I think that well, uh, probably, uh, and I think that's a sensible place for him to bat. I think he's very good, very capable. Um, uh, he he's only twenty three, but he has played quite a lot of cricket. Uh, he's been through a bad run and come out the other side. I think that's generally a really good sign. Um, he, everyone talks about how tough he is mentally, but then they always do uh, before they start. Uh, it'll be a really tough examination. I think he's got what it takes, but I have thought that about some of the people who went before him, such as Gary Balance. Um, but yeah, he's a good player and he's, and he's got a real chance. He, he he probably only has a couple of tests, though, doesn't he, to prove himself. But that's OK. Uh, and he can bowl as well. Uh, how much we'll see of his bowling, I don't know. Um but you know he he has got something. He he he's possibly a little bit more mentally prepared for this than one or two of those who have been before him. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how he goes, and he he deserves his selection. Yeah, it does feel like he's been around the the block a little bit. I think he uh, <coughs> six six years ago it was uh, that that hundred um, as a teenager as a schoolboy, um, and yes, part of a very successful Essex side in in the meantime. On on the sort of bounce of the side, um, we're expecting Johnny Bairstow to 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 come back in at number three, most likely. I mean, he's been out of the Test team. I mean, he was he was. Um, played in South Africa this time last year, having been dropped for New Zealand and then was dropped for the, the tour to Sri Lanka, uh, which uh, was aborted back in March. He's back in contention and, and looks set to play. And then there's a question of whether um, it's sort of, you know, packing in the all-rounders from from number uh, six, seven downwards uh, and whether England can find three spinners. Obviously, that strategy served them very well uh, in Sri Lanka two years ago. Yeah, it's very difficult to get this one right for them now, uh, particularly in the absence of the all-rounders, uh, which which allowed them to fudge things a little bit last time. And and, and it's it's just a reminder of how useful to have such players. But um, you, you look at the stats, I think only one of the top 20 bowling performances at Gaul has been from a seamer, which I think was Stark. You were probably there, Fidel. Um, uh, generally... The pitches there have been quite tough for batting in the last few years. I think you go back to something like 2017, four or so tests ago since anyone scored 350. And even 200 has sometimes been a bit tougher 
to get than you would think. So uh, you you would hope that, well, hope that there's quite a lot in it for the bowlers. And if that's the case, then maybe you don't need to... Um, I, th- I think England are going to be very tempted to go with uh, the extra seamer rather than the third spinner. And I understand that because you're not going to want to over-bowl the seamers. You know, you're going to want to bowl them in short spells. Then They haven't had the conditioning that they, they ideally would have had with the warm-up games, etc. So you're going to want to spread the load. And equally, it's not clear who the third spinner would be. But looking at the stats, it's quite hard to justify that in terms of who takes the wickets and who does the bowling at Gaul. So I don't think there's a perfect solution, actually. Um, but to, so just so I don't sit on the fence, I think I'd be very inclined to pick a third spinner. There's obviously the the um, the backup um, within the party. Uh, you know, those the kind of extra players picked. They've got um, they do have two leg spinners there, Mason Crane, um, Matt Parkinson, and then Amir Verdi is also an option. One of the problems, maybe, when it comes to balancing that side, is there's not a lot of batting among those those three. And, and the same with sort of Jack Leach, and if you're going to play with one of Broader Anderson as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot thinner. I mean, I think I think I'm right in saying that. Ben Folkes was the highest run scorer in that series for England. Mm, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, so uh, it, it's it seems extraordinary, really. He was and, and not going to play this time. It seems <laughs> wasn't he? He was player of the series. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. If we are going on to talk about that, aren't we? But it seems to me odd to not pick him. I don't think there's any metric by which he's not a better pick for the Test team than Joss Butler. You know, if you measure it by batting, if you measure it by keeping. I, I don't know if you measure it in experience in Sri Lanka. I'm not sure why he wouldn't be picked. And I think that's a mistake. You could play him and the extra, you know, you could play Butler as a batsman. That's completely reasonable. He he had a very good tour with the bat in Sri Lanka. I know the scores aren't huge, but they were very important scores. And he played really well, I thought. Um, the, the, the encouraging thing is, and it's very difficult to tell from afar, uh, is that uh, Bess and Leach have experience of playing on turning wickets. Uh, and that's really good. You would think that Gore would turn, you know, from experience, from history. Uh, and you would think that they were as well-placed as anyone that England have to pick to bowl in those conditions. Um, maybe you don't need a big turning, you know, a leggy, for example, in conditions where the ball turns a fair bit anyway. Maybe, you know, having a leech is... Who, who, who is a fairly gentle turner of the ball. That's, that's not to criticise him. He... But that's, you know, on Australian surfaces, I'd be a bit worried about him. And Sri Lankan surfaces, I'm not. Uh, and the reason I say pick a third is because what you saw on the last tour to Sri Lanka is that when England spinners had bad spells, it was pretty easy to take them out the uh, fire and replace them with somebody else without it becoming a catastrophe, without it, you know, damaging them. And I think if you only have two and Sri Lanka target one, which they probably should, then uh, you could see that getting on top of a young player quite quickly, something particularly I have best in mind. Um, so, you know, that's why I would play three, but there's not a perfect solution to this. <clears throat> yeah, we, we can um, we can get into the some of what happened on the last tour, tour now. I mean, Fidel, uh, Ben Folks made <laughs> quite an impact, as George has mentioned, um, on the series two years ago. Presumably Sri Lanka will be quite happy to see him, um, you know, bringing out the drinks this time around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what was, I mean, his batting was obviously he made a huge impact with the bat, but his keeping was just extraordinary in that series. I mean, 
uh, and he would kind of outkept Nirosh and Dequela by such a substantial margin that, and you know, not all of the tests had big winning margins. You know, England won three nil. Uh, I think they uh, the, the the margin in goal was quite substantial, but in places like Padalekele, uh, where you know it wasn't such a big win, uh, folks played an absolutely vital role. You know, play along with a lot of the close close in fielders. Where I think you know, thinking back to that fire, that um, that Padalekele test, it was really the difference between the teams wasn't even, you couldn't even say fielding was the difference between the teams because, uh, you know, I, I thought Sri Lanka actually batted and bowled better than England, but the fielding was at, you know, the, England made so much ground on the fielding and wicket-keeping front that they won that game reasonably comfortably in the end. Um, and folks was a huge, huge part of that. And I don't think I've ever seen a foreign keeper, certainly that I've watched at the ground, come to Sri Lanka and keep as cleanly and as kind of, uh, just understand how to keep the spinners quite, you know, you're, you're keeping the spinners three quarters of the day in some of these games. Uh, and folks did that extraordinary well. So I, just from a pure wicket-keeping standpoint, I think we're losing out as as test fans and not being able to be, see that kind of skill. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. Um, but I guess uh, England feel that the extra batsman that they can play um, if they have butler keeping is uh, is worth it. Yeah, I mean, this is a sort of a, an, an ongoing debate uh, within certainly England's test um, setup. Uh, but I think, I think folks didn't concede a bye on, on, on debut, did he, um, in, in Gaul? Yeah, well, he um, completed and, a stumping, didn't he, within his first three hours? Yeah, 100, 100 stumping, a couple of catches, no byes, set up for a long and fruitful career in the team. <laughs> yeah, whereas Butler, I think, has has still yet to complete a stumping in uh, Test cricket, and I think I think he's kept in is it twenty two Tests roughly. Um, so th- there's a worry there. I-, I thought it was very interesting at the end of the English summer that there was a lot of talk about. I mean, I've read it even in the last couple of days. Uh, Butler silenced his critics. Well, I don't feel that silenced. <laughs> he batted really well in the last few Tests. He did. I mean, he he played a huge part uh, with the bat. But the fact is that England lost one test in uh, that summer and a, a, a big part of that was him dropping a catch down the leg's side uh, and they lost one ODI series and a big part of that was him dropping, I'm trying to think who it was, was it Maxwell on 20-odd and he went on to get, maybe it was 40-odd, but he went on to get 100. That was a Maxwell-Carey partnership, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I think there is, uh, he, he did answer a lot of questions about his batting but I don't think he answered any questions at all about his keeping and in an area where uh, a region, well and and not just in these two tests but going on to India hopefully as well, six tests in a row you would think that the keepers are going to stand up to the stumps a lot and I think we're trusting to chance you know talk a lot about um, the, the new England learning a lot from data, well they're ignoring the data, they're completely ignoring the data, as I say there is no metric by which folks shouldn't be playing test cricket in this series ahead of Butler. And what Fidel's just said is extremely telling and extremely accurate. Uh, it made a huge difference. It wasn't just uh, folks, of course. I, I think Keaton Jennings had an extraordinary series at um, short leg. Uh, played fantastically well. Um, and I, I don't really understand why England aren't learning those lessons yeah, well, no, no Jennings this time round. Um, 
it probably would have been tough to include him as a specialist short leg, but he did have a, he did have a great. I mean, he was a, a sort of Asian specialist. Um, uh, he got his hundred in uh, um, Gaul, I think. Second uh, in Gaul, Gaul. second innings, wasn't it? Yeah. And he reverse swept yeah. his way to a hundred. I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah. was it was a brilliant innings, to be fair. Yeah, and and he was included in the party um, that that flew out in March, wasn't he? But um, th- this time around. Uh, Ed Smith um, hovered over the name and moved on. Um, just on on the nature of this pitch, um, Fidel, what we're likely to see. I mean, a, a Turner from the sounds of it, but uh, Don Bess certainly. Um, a few days ago, after England had played the the, the um, well, the only day because uh, rain washed out the the second of of their intra squad game in Hambantota, he suggested that Sri Lanka had been a bit clever because they'd given them a a, a green seamer. Um, down down at the um, the stadium there, uh, and then obviously expecting it to um, uh, to turn square uh, this week. How do, how do you uh, answer that charge? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty standard. I mean, this has happened to, <laughs> this has happened to other teams. England are the first one to get that kind of. Uh, <laughs> South Africa complained about it a couple of years ago. Where is where is your honour, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the complaints go a little bit far, but I mean, look, uh, that's that's just that's just the way. I think that's something that's got to be fought on a on a board level. The ECB, if they're really unhappy with that, and they have it have a case. They can take that up with SLC. I wouldn't be surprised uh, in the least if that's exactly what happens. And anyway, <laughs> what we know about the goal pitch is that it's you know on when they prepare it dry. It is one of like the biggest examinations of a batsman spin playing technique uh, in the world. Uh, we frequently get three-day tests there. Uh, Herat and Murali both have hundreds there, hundred wickets there. Um, it is just it is just a spin bowling paradise. Uh, from you know the first couple of days can be kind of batting friendly, and then day three onwards, it's just almost on a dime. The pitch switches to just being an absolute um, nightmare to bat on. Um, not because there's like uneven bounce or anything dangerous, just because suddenly the ball's turning uh, and it's fast turn. It just like it almost speeds up off the surface. Um, the interesting thing about there being two tests being played this time, I think the first test we might not see kind of the absolute goal Bunsen because they still have to prepare another pitch for the second test at the same venue. So maybe the first first test, and also because. Uh, Sri Lanka's players are coming off a South Africa tour where they've been playing on, you know, the last pitch they played on was the Wanderers, which is one of the, the bounciest, fastest pitches uh, in the world. So perhaps to kind of ease them in as well, the groundsmen, groundskeepers will probably give a slightly flatter deck. Um, that's probably, you know, the, the thinking. Um, not the absolute kind of uh, raging turner, but... Uh, certainly, if England, if there are kind of any potential weaknesses in England's uh, spin playing, the second test is going to be, you know, uh, a very, very, very dry pitch. Um, it has been raining in Gaul. Uh, it's been kind of had unseasonal rains. Um, trust. I mean, Sri Lanka never gets to play uh, play tests in January, which is the dry, generally the driest part of the year for this this part of the country. And yes, and we for the first time in. I mean, possibly like over a decade, we're having uh, cricket in this in January in Sri Lanka, and it started to rain. So um, maybe that will stop it from being like ridiculously dry. 
but um, Sri Lankan groundsmen, even in, in wet conditions, know how to how to make dry pitches. <laughs> I was going to say some comfort for England there, uh, the, the presence of rain, but um, no, there are local tricks to deal with that. Um, <laughs> we, we will come on to uh, some of Sri Lanka's less, less than ideal preparation, shall we say, um, in South Africa for this series. Um, just before we do, George, on on England's kind of uh, well, England uh, a bit, uh, lacking some some uh, some Test cricket under the belt, given their their last um, match was in was in August against Pakistan at home, um, and you know what with the COVID schedules and all that, they've 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 barely had any red ball cricket um, in Sri Lanka. But um, I mean, those just to. Uh, hone in on the on the couple of selection debates that you would expect only one of Broad and Anderson uh, to play in in any of these tests, and then the 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 other position you were kind of debating is that between an extra spinner, be it Amir Verdi or or, or um, Mason Crane or, or Mark Wood for kind of the extra pace. Well, the honest answer is I don't know <laughs> because I'm here. Uh, so it's very hard to give an informed answer, you know, without going sniffing to the wind, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> tracing um, the digital ley lines. So usually you don't make this stuff up. You do go to training and you do try and ask and find out what they're going to do. So I, I would be, I'm bluffing, really, but I, I can see that they might think that there's a, a, a place for the extra pace of Mark Wood, uh, and that's that's reasonable. Um, poor old Mark Wood, I, I'm inclined to think, but as I say. Stark did have a. I think Stark took a six for there. I mean, Fidel would no doubt have been yeah, there. Uh, Stain, Stain, and well, Stark. Yeah, Stark did take a six for, but he only got to bowl in one innings because Sri Lanka won that match by an innings. Um, uh, Stain was the one who kind of absolutely won a match for Southern in 2014. Um, uh, there on his off his own bowling, so it is possible to do well in goal, especially if, if you have a bit of pace. The first morning can be like a little bit spicy for the seamers. Generally, there are seam bowlers um, dismissals in the first uh, in the first session, and you know even kind of slightly after lunch. Uh, but then once you know one uh, you know going back several years now, you know Trent Copeland uh, did really well in, in one game. So when when pitches get really dry, the seamers do come back into it because uh, the ball just does unpredictable things and and seems to seam around a bit. So. Um, I think I think Mark Wood's pace would definitely be an asset to have um, in in England's armoury. The, the, the worry, obviously, with Wood is that you you've got to be really really careful with him. You want to bowl him in short spells, maximum five over spells, really. Um, and they might feel that they want the experience of Anderson or Broad, and and you know what you're going to get. I mean, they they will not bowl badly. You know, they will dry up an end. They will give some control, but. Anderson only took one wicket on that. Well, I think they took one wicket between them, didn't they? They played the three tests and Broad didn't take any, although he had a couple of catches dropped. And Anderson took one right at the start of the first test. So it was very, very difficult uh, for Seamers, but they could still, I thought Anderson still played a role. The the one who looked uh, terrific in the warm-up, again, just judging from video, was Ollie Robinson. uh, and, And he could bat a bit, which, you know, given England's tail is relevant, but I suspect... They'll be a little bit um, reluctant to uh, have so many people with so little experience in the same team. I'm trying to think <coughs> who uh, is England's most Trent Copeland-like seamer. Probably Stuart Broad, isn't it? Um, just in terms of being a tall, line-and-length merchant. Um, 
Anyway, Sri Lanka, um, for their part, avoided the virus while in South Africa, um, but nevertheless kept the medical team pretty busy. Um, they've presumably been holed up uh, in Gaul after flying back a few days ago, Fidel. Uh, what, what are the updates from the camp there? Uh, yeah, so I spoke to a uh, um, manager of the mail this morning. He says uh, Dananjay de Silva and... Um, and Kassan Rajit are, are both definitely out of the tour, which is, I mean, Dananja De Silva is a huge loss. He's one of those players who I think as a batsman, he was coming into kind of a more consistent and, um, and productive part of his career, but it's been halted by, you know, both coronavirus and now this kind of pretty serious injury, the tendon in the, injury in his, in his thigh. Um, and he was, he was looking very, very fluent in, in South Africa before that happened to him. Um, and then Kassan Rajit, the pr- probably, to be honest, probably wouldn't have played a part in this, uh, in this series anyway. Um, but apart from that, I'm hearing that um, Lakmal and Lahir Kumara are fit, but they're not necessarily sure if they're going to, um, if they're going to bowl those two seamers, in, uh, especially in the first test, because they're not 100% convinced that their workloads are up to, up to scratch and, you know, they're possibly at injury again if they, if they feel them in, in the first test. Um, but the good news, I think, is that uh, Dinesh Chandimal and, and Angela Matthews uh, seem like they will play, and uh, which you know, brings a lot more experience back into that top order. Uh, Osha De Fernando, again, is batting, is, is practicing, but uh, he's been out of action for so long, they're not sure if he'll, you know, he's kind of grooved enough to walk into the Test 11. So... That's kind of the, uh, the update on, on the injury list. I think um, they're probably not going to make too many major changes. Obviously, uh, one in the Hasaranga, and uh, so they'll, they'll play spinners, I think. One in the Hasaranga is probably going to be uh, in kind of the new, he's kind of the new spin bowling toy in, uh, in Sri Lankan cricket, did really well in the LPL, did okay in South Africa on debut. Um, so I think they'll, they'll play him. Batted well. <laughs> yeah, and batted well. Yeah, batted well. So they like. In, especially in the absence of Dananjay de Silva, they'll probably want one in the Hasaranga in there, kind of to perform the uh, you know the Dananjay de Silva role, but kind of reverse. He's more of a bowling all rounder than a batting all rounder. Uh, and then you'll have probably Lassit Tembuldenia, the left arm spinner, and uh, probably I mean um, uh, Dilruan Pereira as well. So Sri Lanka will bat reasonably deep, you suspect, uh, in this uh, in this match. Um, well, good news, good news from uh, from their side of things. And in terms of um, how the South Africa tour went, I mean, you touched on on it all going pear shaped at the the moment. Um, Dan and Jaya's thigh went twang. Um, what else will they be looking to take from from those two tests? Obviously, um, two losses. Or, or is it just important that they got some miles in the legs really after a, a long time without um, being involved in Test cricket? Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if they did get miles in their legs without without kind of breaking down. Victor <laughs> Fernando is really the only one who can claim to really have some serious miles in his legs. Uh, Dustin Sharnak as well, if you're gonna if you're gonna count him. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the conditions are just so incomparable. You know, um, it's it, those are those are kind of very very specialized conditions that they had in South African Centurion and, and Wanderers, the two fastest pitches in the country, two bounces pitches in the country. Um, and then coming to the, the most, you know, widely reputed spin bowling kind of um, destination in Sri Lanka. So I don't know too, how much of it can carry over. 
uh, even to the extent that even, you know, batsmen who did well uh, in, in South Africa, they'll have to kind of re retool their techniques for this completely different challenge in goal. Um, I think it's nice to have Dimut Karnaratna especially coming back, um, coming back uh, with some runs, with some, with some confidence, uh, because he'd kind of not played for the entirety of the, the COVID, um, COVID uh, interlude. And uh, he's someone who does generally do well in goal, has an, ex has an extremely good uh, technique against spin and, uh, and kind of, you know, plays those kind of gritty, not very pretty, but, you know, important innings for Sri Lanka. And, and Sri Lanka will definitely look to him to lead from the front here. Um, and if he can get some runs, I think Sri Lanka's top order will feel a lot, lot better about itself. You know, if he's kind of up there giving them good starts, um, that, that'll go a long way to kind of, uh, getting Sri Lanka back into you know home test mode um, after they haven't played here. Oh gosh, I haven't even checked where they the would uh, since New Zealand in 2019, which was kind of July August if I remember correctly. So they haven't played a home test since then. Yeah, um, I think Nirishan Dick Weller said um, the other day that that kind of that he felt that Sri Lanka have a better chance this time around than than they did um, when England rocked up and and won. Um, two years ago, and they can't lose three nil this time. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, no, no, no. I mean, he, I think he was uh, he was going to say that. I mean, that that's Sri, that Sri Lanka team had just the last time uh, South, uh, England came, Sri Lanka had beaten South Africa at home two nil by huge margins. So I think they were very more confident about their actually actually more confident about their test game back then than they probably are now. Uh, having had this big layoff. Um, I think, though, it's the same group of players. They'll come into this this series with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more wary of what England are capable of, um, and a little bit more kind of serious about... I mean, not that they weren't serious, but uh, especially kind of on the fielding front where they kind of let themselves down massively during that 3-0. I think they're going to be a, a lot more focused on on those types of things rather than kind of expect spinners to run through England, uh, which I think there was, there was kind of a little, there was a, there was a hint of that last time. I mean, George, it, we should be wary of kind of um, uh, over-egging England's prospects, that, that, despite winning um, impressively uh, two years ago. See, no, no Stokes who touched upon, no Archer who, who wasn't around then, but there are five or six players missing from that team. Um, that one here, no, no Rory Burns, no Keaton Jennings, um, Adil Rashid not touring this time. Moeen could could come back into contention for the second test, and it looks like they're going to um, willfully deprive themselves of Stokes, uh, Stokes folks. Um, and whether Wokes will be fit, it could be missing loads of uh, rhyming opportunities. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's 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 every chance that um, you know things could go quite differently this time. Yeah, I mean that that Stokes loss is oh, goes without saying, doesn't it? But obviously, it's very big. He he was able to rough up the Sri Lankan batsman a bit last time, particularly in Colombo, uh, which is why I think they they might be uh, tempted to go for Wood. Um, so it, it's those those are huge losses. I mean, obviously, Moen was with Leach, the top wicket taker, as well, and uh, although Adil didn't always bowl brilliantly, he was quite a good partnership breaker. Um, and you were sort of able to accommodate that luxury leg spin bowler because you had two 
uh, spinners who are bowling really, sort of really solid uh, overs generally. So uh, I, I don't think uh, there'll be a risk of complacency. I mean, that 3-0 victory was, uh, I was going to say, aberrational, miraculous, call it what you will. <laughs> uh, it's not like it's a, a common thing to have happened, and I don't think anyone would expect... Um, uh, anything like that to be repeated very often. I mean, sometimes it, you need a bit of uh, time to uh, appreciate the enormity of successes, like England winning in India in 2012. I mean, that, it, it seems incredible now. Uh, and equally, I think, a 3-0 win in, in Sri Lanka, admittedly uh, not a vintage Sri Lanka. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's quite an even series between um, a Sri Lanka side that I guess you would say is in transition uh, an, Engl- an England side that is famously not great in these conditions and also weakened. But uh, look, I'm looking forward to it uh, and I've got generally no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but it, it, we can at least celebrate that cricket's being played and uh, it will give those of us locked up in England uh, something to look forward to for a few weeks. <laughs> yes, uh, at the very least it'll do that. I mean, uh, uh, even if it becomes gory watching. Uh, Sri Lanka hasn't been a, a particularly um, good place for England to tour. Uh, you go back before 2018-19 to that, to the famous win um, in 2001. Um, Fidel, we were reminiscing about the rivalry for uh, for our rabbit hole feature. Um, and as you kind of put it, there's two, two flawed but sort of fascinating teams um, just getting into a brawl, smashing each other through the saloon doors. Um, chances of this series throwing up another classic, you think? You know, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I think, you know, looking back, it's absolutely staggering the amount of quality cricket these two teams have managed to play against each other in just the, in this millennium, you know, like uh, 2000, 2000, 2001 was a great series. 2006 was a great series in England. 14 was an insanely good series. Um, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rule them out because I think, you know, neither of them kind of go into any series being overwhelming favorites. Um, and I don't think there are overwhelming favorites. I'm not sure even, you know, who I would pick as a favorite out of these teams, particularly because, you know, during kind of COVID times, we don't have the, the benefit of kind of long, a kind of a long period of form on which to, to judge, um, judge players and judge the way teams are going. So um, I, I think they, from just on paper, they seem really evenly matched, particularly with the absence of, uh, of Stokes um, and Archer. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it will go as well. There are so many unknowns. You know, how is it, how is Gaul's surface, you know, famously feisty spin bowling, uh, ball, spin bowling friendly surface going to hold up to two, uh, back-to-back tests. Um, how is that square going to hold up? There are so many unknowns in this one that it's really hard to predict. Um, I suspect that there will be, as we saw last time, some kind of attacking batting. And I, I think at some point this pitch is going to be become one of those pitches where you just score runs before you get out because good balls are going to come. Um, and the ones that will get you out. I think I'm expecting that kind of um, mentality to set in at some stage. Uh, but it just matter. It just you know it, it depends when. And I, I you know I don't think there are either of these teams are coming in here with like you know rock star bowling attacks. Um, England probably have the more solid top order, but then you know Sri Lanka's isn't that far behind in their own conditions either. Um, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and um, 
I mean, uh, thinking sl- sideways slightly, but Mickey Arthur had a good record with uh, with Pakistan against England. Um, expecting him to sort of spring any surprises here, or will he just be happy to have um, a dozen fit players to pick from? I yeah, I think I don't think Sri Lanka in a position to kind of spring major surprises. Um, I think what I will say is that the fielding seems to have improved since Mickey Arthur, Arthur has come on board. Um, uh, and so that is a, that is a, um, you know, a substantial positive um, for Sri Lanka. Um, and that, I think that was really, again, you know, hashing over all ground, but that was really what, where Sri Lanka were worst at um, a couple of years ago when England came. So, yeah, for that reason, I think, I think and also Nirish and Dikwela, who's keeping and kind of was, was not great on that series. He's, he's improved as well. Um, behind the stumps, so there have been kind of chartable, chartable steps forward that um, that Sri Lankan cricket has taken in the interim. Um, but then, yeah, uh, all those kind of uncertainties still throw throw everything up in the air. Um, just quickly uh, before we wrap up, uh, gents, looking at the the World Test Championship, how much are we paying attention to that? How how closely should England be, um, George, with uh, the requirement of of getting well, it's percentage of points won, uh, see to to get into the top two. Um, they're some way behind Australia, New Zealand, uh, and India currently. I mean, um, I think I did some quick maths, England probably need to win all six of their tests in Sri Lanka and India, maybe maybe five to get up to sort of 70% um, on that, on that um, the method that they're using to determine uh, points now. Um, <laughs> there's not much chance of that, is there? They need snookers. <laughs> they're in real trouble. I, Which could be part of the playing conditions for all I know. But, uh, could, uh, could be. Could <laughs> be. Uh, yeah, I mean, they need to. They, they goes without saying they need to win this series. And they need to win in India. It's desperately tough. Look, it, it it doesn't massively interest me if I'm honest, but uh, that it wasn't really designed for people like me or indeed you two either, was it? It was designed to um, encourage interest among, I guess, fair weather cricket supporters, if that's a, a reasonable expression. Um, I suspect it's not doing that for various reasons, not least that it's a little bit too complex. But uh, maybe if there's a showpiece final, uh, uh, maybe if New Zealand or India or New Zealand and Australia or whoever it is uh, playing that, maybe that will be um, really good for cricket. I'm not positive it will be, though. I've never been a fan of the idea, if I'm honest. Um, And it's it's not the way I would have gone. And, And if people are interested, I would have gone promotion and relegation in test cricket as well i i i i'm just going to jump in and, and disagree a little bit here with um with with george i think um in where it's kind of unfair to judge it when we've had uh such a kind of cataclysmic disruption as covid19 uh and i don't think that it's fair to judge this first the first round of the world test championship based on that um, test cricket absolutely needs to kind of find new ways to to modernize and to and to create context. And I in the in the series that I covered, where um, you know World Test Championship points were up for grab, this is pre-COVID. Certainly, the players were motivated by it or seemed motivated by it. Um, the this um, uh, 
for, for, for countries such as England that anyway have kind of a, a strong base for, for test cricket uh, or believe they have a strong base, whether that's true or not, um, and, uh, and are able to play a lot of test cricket around the year, um, yeah, probably it's not as important for other places like Sri Lanka who end up, you know, basically the, 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 the larger pattern in the, in the last few years has been kind of a reduction in the number of, of tests played. Um, this did give an extra motivation to make sure that you play this test on your schedule, to make sure that you have, that the tours go ahead as, as planned because there is a prize at the end of it. Um, and I think it was fulfilling that ambition uh, and I was excited about it. And I'm still excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it. if we can get uh, an India-New Zealand test at Lords. I think that would be fantastic. Um, and I think those, you know, uh, given provided how the rest of this India-Australia series goes, those are probably the two teams that deserve to play. And it would be, um, I'm, I'm actually quite still on board. Um, and I think it's unfair to kind of bag it based on the last year. I'm, I don't, I can't buy that at all. I think that's completely reasonable. I just uh, I, I would don't say a, that, George. <laughs> well, I do. I think it's completely reasonable. I, I, I'm not saying I don't want context. I'm saying I'd have got a different way, and I don't like the idea of a final. I didn't like the idea of the Bob Willis Trophy final either. Uh, I, I but I don't mind uh, promotion and relegation and divisions. That that that's all. It's 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 a you know a small distinction really in the grand scheme of things. Um, f- very fair. I, f- I was going to say, finally, we've got a bit of niggle in in the pod, but no, we're back back to being um, nice. I mean, speaking of nice guys, New Zealand are. Um, I think Kane Williamson talked about the uh, championship creating a little bit of extra um, buzz, let's say, around New Zealand's tests. Obviously, they just played their home summer, and they are now the number one ranked test team. Well, separate from the World Test Championship, um, but I mean, that's that's uh, got to be a good thing. Um, for Sri Lanka, Fidel, I think if they win this series, this is the this is the big carrot for you now. Um, if they win this series two nil, um, the your the points percentage jumps up to forty one point six, and you'll go up to fifth place. So uh, I mean th- that's um, that'll be on the front pages, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, I mean I think I think <laughs> Sri Lanka did so badly in or did badly enough in Pakistan, obviously terribly in South Africa, um, that it's kind of now. Now being like, okay, no one's really talking about it. But there was certainly a lot of talk about, uh, as, for as long as they were in contention, uh, it was talked about. Good. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I think we've probably done our talking for today. I mean, um, George, uh, final uh, word to you on your, on your own preparations for the series. Uh, obviously, the early alarm calls. Have you got yourself a, a bottle of Arakin for the afternoons just to sort of set the scene? No, I mean, what did for the afternoon session, which would be starting at something like seven thirty in the morning? Who do you think I am? Well, I mean, you can start as a, it's five o'clock somewhere. We're really lucky to to be watching cricket again, and I, I, I honestly, I think Sri Lanka and England have done a, a terrific job in the circumstances to get it on, and uh, it's something to look forward to. And uh, these English winters, they do stretch a bit; they are a bit daunting, particularly when you can't go out and see friends and family and stuff. So, uh, honestly, I'm. Really looking forward to it. Uh, good and Fidel, you won't be uh, clambering up onto the uh, the ramparts of the fort. You'll have to make do with home cooking and and your Colombo sunsets into the sea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, there, there was a campaign. So I mean, the media aren't allowed. That's what um, the media mm. aren't allowed to 
in the in the ground for no real uh, good reason. I, as, as far as I know, the the medic medical staff um, didn't really have a huge problem um, with us having our own kind of little area, but the SLC just weren't didn't get the, themselves um, didn't believe it important enough, I guess, um, to, uh, to to provide those kinds of facilities for us. Uh, it's a bit sad. It's the first test in Sri Lanka I'm missing. I don't know since I started this job eight years ago. So uh, that's a bit sad, but um, such is life. I guess everyone, just, these are extraordinary times. Uh, but I'm like George, I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, test cricket being played. Um, looking forward to, uh, you know, what historically are two, you know, pretty evenly matched teams going, um, going at it. I think um, we've been so starved of cricket over the last year that uh, we'd be crazy to kind of turn up our noses at, at anything. And I'm watch, if, I, if I have to watch it from the, and cover it from my living room, I'll be more than happy to do that. Well, it sounds like we're going to be able to see how much it's turning from space, uh, never mind uh, on the TV. So um, that should be fun. And that is probably a good place to leave things. Will Sri Lanka once again turn out to be a banker for Joe Roots England? Or should we beware pride before a gall? We'll be back next week to see how they get on. Until then, my thanks to George and Fidel and to you all for tuning in. Please review, leave comments, etc. This has been the Switch It podcast brought to you by ESPNCrickInfo.com. Listener.